infrastructure is crumbling and the problems are only getting worse. The pressure to find solutions is hot. Let's talk about why American cities have no water, no electricity, and no money to fix their infrastructure problems. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast, hosted by Chad Smelter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat. Today is episode six, where we interview David Treo, who is a project engineer with GarverUSA.com. David's experience uh, has been started in the military. Uh, he was in the United States Marine Corps for over seven years. Looks like he worked on FEMA and he graduated from the University of Texas at Arlington with a Bachelor of Science and Civil Engineering degree. He was a graduate engineer uh, at RGN Group, project manager at Pure Technologies, and also uh, has vast experience in, as a project engineer with RGM Group as well. Now is a full-time project manager at Garver. So we are excited to talk to David with his vast experience in the military and now into sewer condition assessment. And he's bringing technologies to Garver so that they can help uh, municipalities improve the way we do condition assessment and evaluations of infrastructure. Hope you enjoy it. Have a great day. Hi, everyone. My name is Chad Smeltzer, and I'm the CEO and founder of BigCamera.com, also the podcast host for the Infrastructure Hot Seat. And today I bring a special guest uh, from Graver USA, who's an engineer, has been in the industry a long time. David Treo, thank you for uh, coming on our podcast. We would love to you know, learn more about you and, and give yourself a little introduction. Hi, Chad. Yeah, thanks for uh, the invite. Thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate the time and I look forward to the chat. Yeah. So how long have you been an engineer? Uh, been an engineer a little over 10 years now. I went to the University of Texas at Arlington here in Arlington, Texas, in the North Texas area. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I started off as an intern back in 20, 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Okay. Uh, started off doing uh, CCTV review. And that's oh, how- That's the worst job ever. Yeah. That's how the career got started. Oh, nobody wants yeah. to do that. Now it's automated. Thank goodness. The, like different technologies that's out there, you know, that's all automated. Yeah, but, definitely. A lot of things have changed over the past decade for so sure. What What made you want to stay as, a, you know, going into that engineering world you became an in intern, which is probably the worst looking at videos and, and you stuck it out. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't, I never uh, envisioned myself being in this part in this industry. Uh -huh. uh, never really understood or knew or was aware that, this discipline was uh, included in civil engineering. If I could take, if I could go back a little bit further, um, you know, right out of high school, I joined the Marine Corps and uh, was a part of a, an engineering company. Awesome! Thanks and, for serving, uh, by the way. Yeah, thank you for for your support. And it, it was it was definitely a lot of good times. And so I was voluntold, is how they say it in the military when somebody <laughs> volunteers you. And I was voluntold to, uh, yeah, That's I was voluntold to take on a, a, uh, uh, an MOS, uh, military job uh, or specialty and that's called land, uh, drafting and surveying DNS. Okay. So I went to, uh, to a special school to get trained for that. And I had no idea what I'd never, I had never seen a surveyor, uh, before ever and never messed around with AutoCAD. And so that was kind of my introduction to, to this world. And so as I was ending my career in the military, I was considering going to school and I was considering being a civil engineer. Yeah. 
So I envisioned myself working on flight lines and, and uh, airports, uh, being more in the transportation uh, yeah. world of, of civil engineering, because that's that was uh, basically what I did throughout the military as a surveyor and draftsman. Yeah. Uh, I did a lot of land surveys for helicopter landing pads, arresting gear on, on uh, flight lines, and uh, just so a lot of that type of stuff. And so that's what I envisioned uh, yeah. my career going into as a civil engineer. And as I mentioned, uh, I, I began a an internship uh, watching CCTV uh, videos of sanitary sewer pipe inspections uh, <laughs> back in 2010, 2011. And so that I had no idea. And uh, so that's I think uh, I crack it. You know, I, I often crack the joke saying that it takes a special breed to work in the sewer industry, and uh, I guess I'm one of them because I, you know, I, I I grew to like it, and yeah, and I've been doing this type of stuff for a while now for over the past decade. So right uh, after uh, after graduating, I took on a position full time with that company, and uh, um, so instead of CCTV review, I was diving manholes. Oh. So. Then I really was stepping in it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Literally in in it. Yeah. No doubt. Wow. But uh, you know, being fresh out of the military and, and younger, uh definitely definitely like the uh the uh the risk and the danger that came that comes along with confined space entry and doing that type yeah. of stuff. So it was uh you know, it was kind of a no brainer. I never really second guessed it. So I just went in and did it. Uh, That's, so everything from structural inspections to meter installations, other types of structural evaluations on underground infrastructure. That's, you know, I was all about it. That's and, awesome, uh, man. That's a, that's a great, you know, it's a great career choice now, you know, now where you're at. Oh yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, for sure. So when you were in the military and you started to learn more about surveying design, stuff like that, what, what was your first, you know, you became an intern, you watched uh, the, the videos and stuff like that. Did you do anything outside of sewers or did you just jump right into sewers? Sounds like you jumped right into it. No, I just right into sewers. Right into it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. Okay. Well, you, you know, um, what really, uh, one thing that I've learned is that uh, the people, the culture of the companies de definitely make a big difference. Yeah. So I think that was one of the key factors as to why I stayed doing that type of work. Uh, really got along well with the people, the culture of the company where I was at at the time. Uh, I think yeah. it was, it was the big That's awesome. Here. That was a big factor. That's yeah. why I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, look anywhere, anywhere else, you know, I didn't, right. uh, I just so you learned, you learned a lot. And then you obviously, you know, nowadays kind of jumping into segue with the way careers are and finding people to do this job. Well, I mean, how do you think? we should be looking for skilled labor like yourself now. I mean, that's a, it's a big deal trying to find someone to like rehabilitate a manhole or even get into a manhole. It's almost impossible. What do you think we should be doing now? Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. Because <laughs> it's a trick question. It's, it's been, uh, it's been a struggle for real uh, for over the past, uh, you know, recent years. Yeah. Trying to fill in even entry level positions, uh, engineer positions has become very difficult. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was working at a firm that is very field oriented, uh, field services is a part of their bread and butter and, and, you know, turnover is very high. Yeah. I'm trying to find, um, uh, people that can enjoy their work and, and really, uh, um, you know, put the effort into do good quality work is, has been difficult. Yeah. 
and it, and it all kind of uh, you know the past couple of years because of the pandemic and and all these other types of, of other factors and in, in, in our society now has just made it really difficult and yeah uh, I talked to other other colleagues and in and, and other parts of this water infrastructure uh, industry and and they're struggling with the same as well so yeah yeah I don't know yeah, it's, just, no, it's, uh, a, it's a huge problem yeah. Yeah, definitely has been tough. But I think that's where, um, you know, technologies that you're very well aware of, like the, you know, the automating a lot of the data processing and stuff like that is yeah. going to be a key factor. It's going to be yeah. definitely critical. Yeah, that's the thing. We're going to see a lot of automation. You know, that's that's one thing I tell a lot of public works, you know, employees when I, when I talk to them. I'm like, look, you guys need to, you know, just do your jobs, you know, just stick with it, you know, do it correctly because, I think this industry, and then we'll jump into infrastructure, this industry and infrastructure has been so archaic. It's so fragmented. Now we're getting into this digital world where now things are changing to automation and software. Um, what's your take on like where we're at now with infrastructure and technology? Yeah, well, I think we're making some pretty good uh, strides there. We're making some pretty good advancements. I mean, 10 years ago, uh, when I was reviewing TV and, and, and doing confined space entry, we were doing everything uh, using paper forms, and uh, you know, uh, this this type of work in the sewer industry has been around for a while. Confined yeah. space entry is not new, and so to think that just a decade ago they were still using paper forms, I can't imagine it being too different twenty or thirty years before that. Yeah, um, you know, maybe some of the tools like tripods and winches and stuff like that. Maybe some of the PPE have changed a little bit, but yeah, I can't imagine the methods and maybe some of the uh, more uh, seasoned staff that have been there for that long have, could probably elaborate more on that. But uh, you know, just ten years ago, I was still using paper forms, uh, having to struggle with uh, the wind blowing these sheets away and into the manhole, and it gets all kinds of stains from you know yeah. what. In the, in the water oh yeah. It's, just, yeah it's just nasty having to you know deal with that hassle the weather um you know coming up with creative ways to uh you know keep your binders organized and use you know these little clear uh dividers to protect your uh you know, the sheet protectors right and so yeah, yeah. Um, i don't even i don't even take a pen and paper in the field anymore just because uh we have the capability of of collecting data digitally yeah and so uh but, but yeah, I just, I'm just, you know, kind of stuck on that 10 years ago, which doesn't seem, I don't know, kind of does seem a long time ago, but not I was, really. I was going to uh, say like three, four years ago. It's still like, so there's yeah. a lot of places that still use paper. That's always been my yeah. struggle. I'm like, even in procurement for infrastructure, you know, that space I'm, I'm in, you know, we were still mailing documents back and forth through the postal service until COVID hit. Not COVID changed a lot of the game with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, why are we still using paper and not e-procurement like as a way of sending documents back and forth? And inventory is a hot mess, too. That's still an issue with yeah. just being paper-based. But uh, so tell me a little bit more about your military. I want to go back to your military. What was the scariest moment? You had to have a scary moment, man. You had to have some moment where it was just like pucker factor, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, so, you know, fortunately... Um, you know, when by the time I got to Iraq, um, a lot of the craziness was kind of simmering down okay. a little bit. But um, definitely was able to be a part of um, convoys that 
uh, required us to be in the middle of of the the people there, uh, the yeah. locals. And so, just always having that in your, the back of your mind that uh, you can't really trust who's around you. So yeah. when people getting are getting so close to you, that's uh, that's pretty nerve wracking. Um, I remember being on a mission where uh, we were providing. So even though I was a a, a draft draftsman and surveyor, yeah. I still was uh, you know involved with with security patrols and stuff like that. Right. And so I was a part of a security security team. We provided security for a for an army psych ops uh, group, and where their their whole their their mission or their intent was to you know uh, change the heart and minds of the of the local right of the local community there. Yeah. So um, you know we we're providing security for them, and so a part of that was in, you know being in the middle of town, walking down the streets, you know talking with people. Uh, meeting with the local uh, uh, leaders there and stuff like that. And so yeah. that was always nerve wracking uh, because people, kids would show up and, and uh, some of the, some of the older kids or, or kind of young, young men would show up and right. just never know if they have anything literally up their sleeve. Right. And so, yeah, um, no doubt. Situations like that were always nerve wracking. And then uh, you, you had a lot of, uh, uh, I guess allied forces or allied security teams that you were supposed to be working with. And, uh, you know, the language barrier definitely was a thing. And so Thanks. you can start hearing them get aggressive with you and I'm like, Oh my goodness, there's something about to go down here. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. You know, they're probably just, uh, you know, swearing up and down at you, but, uh, you know, so those, those moments were, were nerve nerve wracking. Those yeah. are the ones that really stick out to me the most. Other, other than that, you know, uh, uh, early on at, in the deployment, uh, the unit I was with had an issue with uh, IEDs, improvised explosive devices. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, typically um, the way the units would deploy is that you deploy in sticks or groups. And so I was at a later group that, that arrived after that, uh, that, that whole mess. And so, right. you know, uh, as a Marine, you want to be there, especially with your team. So you know, I'll say, unfortunately, I wasn't there to be with the, with the guys. But I guess on the other side, fortunately, I wasn't involved with that. So outside right. of that, it was uh, it was pretty tame, um, at least my time in Iraq. And right. uh, real, other than just those, those scenarios I, I was describing where we'd have to go into town uh, in the middle of all the local. Only and, imagine, man. Yeah. yeah. Had to be crazy. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, just recently I was looking back at some photos where we were distributing toys and, and candies and stuff like that. And, and there's all these uh, all these kids that are just crowded. And I got a photo where basically it captures all the kids like reaching out and they're running up to me. Yeah, and, uh, it, it was a pretty good shot. You know, that's awesome. But def uh, definitely it was it was uh, it's pretty good. Uh, pretty yeah. good feeling just kind of being able to see how, uh, you know, you're able to really make a, at least a little bit of an impact in in, uh, in people's lives, you know, by by sharing or providing, you know, basic medicines, basic basic right. needs like uh, uh, foods, tools, and stuff like that. It was a part of the the mission yeah. for the psychops team, and so uh, you know, even though we were security, we're we're definitely a part of that. Right. How is the infrastructure on those military bases? Just curious. Yeah. You know. Um, it's a good question. You know, I was uh, pretty young at that time, so I never really bothered to look pay at that. Attention. <laughs> yeah, until now. But, yeah, right. Yeah, and I think back uh, back to it now, and 
you know, um, you know, definitely as far as the Marine Corps is concerned, the Marine Corps is, uh, you know, be is made to be an expeditious team. They're right. in and they're out. And so they have tools and resources that are very modular, very mobile, quick to set up and quick to break down. And so I remember the water bladders that were used to provide water for the campsites and stuff like that for showers yeah. and drinking and stuff like that. There's a bunch of these blow up inflatable bladders. Wow. Um, and so I remember just being a part of that just to help set everything up. And then there'd be a special team that'd be in charge of the pumping units and making sure that all the water is in the right places and stuff like that. So those were kind of more of the, the field type of setups. And then uh, in garrison, uh, at least in overseas, um, I just I just don't remember. Uh, I rem- what I remember were the porter potties, and those were just horrible. Oh. Yeah, that's the worst, man. Just porta yeah, potties yeah. in in general. Just anybody going into those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they they. But yeah, never... I wish I wish I would have paid more attention to it. But I didn't. I had no idea I was getting. Yeah, you were just in this world. Yeah, worried about survival. I would assume <laughs> at that point. I mean, I would be. So yeah, yeah. You know, that makes sense. So so now you've uh, obviously taken different roles in in the United States when you got you know from back from Iraq and stuff, and you went through that internship and you're. You're now focused. What are you focused on now with your current position that you're in? Yeah, so um, you know, I am a, a project manager here at Garver, and uh, my focus is to um, to help uh, grow the infrastructure, uh, our infrastructure assessment program uh, yeah. here at Garver, and so mainly focusing on on assessments, condition assessments, more specifically right. on pressure pipe condition assessments, and so got it. Um, you know. Even though my career started off on the sewer side of things, uh, eventually I branched off and took another position at a different company that was also a field service provider. And <clears throat> they specialize on pressure pipe condition assessments. And so that's where, uh, and that was probably about uh, five, six years ago now. Okay. And, um, and that definitely introduced me to a different side of, of underground infrastructure. Uh, yeah. It's not as simple as just, you know, with with the sewer with sewer inspections, you can go out, pop some lids, drop some uh, some cameras down in the hole. Right. And, and may, you know, there's some cleaning and, and it's not an easy job. It's not by any means. But uh, definitely there's more planning involved uh, when it comes to pressure pipe assessments. Um, you know, I've been on that side of where uh, I get to see the results of of insufficient or improper planning. And it's not, you know, it's not that, uh, you know, it's not to say that the efforts were malicious or, or I don't want to say negligent either, but uh, it's just kind of uh, not having, I guess, the right view of it. And so you you have crews that get mobilized and you go out into the field and, and uh, next thing you know, um, there's still water in the pipe, but you need it to be completely empty. And well, how long is it going to take to get it empty? Well, probably another two or three days. What? Oh, wow. That type of thing, right? So That'll kill a project. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we've got to send uh, crews in the pipe for manned entry. And uh, and the line isn't completely isolated correctly. You know, it's not Oof. isolated complete, uh, completely. And you still have, you've got valves that aren't seated properly. And you still have water coming in. And it's, you know, these are big pipes. So it's not a very safe environment to send people in. Right. And, Super dangerous. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. it's very dangerous. And uh, 
that's where, you know, r- running into those types of fumbles, you know, at the time, man, it was just rough. <laughs> it, it, uh, it really was heartburn. Yeah. <laughs> especially having to go and tell, you know, your clients like, Hey, you know, we're running into this issue or, Hey, this is what's going on. And, uh, having to give, be the bearer of bad news and having to answer, <laughs> respond to tough questions was, yeah. was a tough thing. And, and man, I just, uh, you know, I was like, man, there's gotta be a better way. <laughs> right. Well, I think, I think, uh, you know, one of my, my main goals personally, uh, is, is, is to push careful and thorough planning. These condition assessments are definitely necessary and they're important. Right. Um, you you got to have them. And so um, many times I hear that, uh, you know, municipalities get these bad tastes in their mouth because of these bad experiences. And so they're, they get gun shy and they, they, they try to go away to a different direction. Yep. Maybe they just want to just not do anything. Right. Because it's such a hassle. It's such it's so it can be so expensive uh, just to get an inspection completed. Well, <clears throat> you know, my, my thing is to to implement careful and thorough planning to make sure that uh, the expectations are set from the very beginning. The expectations right. of how much is going to cost, what this timeline can potentially look like. What are your options as far as technologies are concerned? There's over the past 20 years uh, and plus some uh, technologies have have been you know, your options for technologies have grown so much uh, over the past two decades. Yeah. Um, there's still a couple of technology providers that are like the key leaders in, in certain areas of the inspection world, but definitely other other technology providers have come up, have been able to come up with solutions and uh, and, and and they're able to, to be a little bit more uh, reasonable in pricing as well. And so, yeah, um, it, it's, it's still, you're still inspecting pressurized pipelines that you can't just go and pop a lid open. So that's there, still there, is right? There, so, yeah. Is there any manhole access to any of those pressure pipes? I know from my previous experience, it, it, a lot of the cities didn't have access to the pressure pipes from like the pump stations and stuff. They had 2000 feet of just pipe with no access. I'm like, why did we not yeah. plan that according yeah. to that? What do you, you, you said something really funny about planning. It's like fatal plan plan to fail that's like a that's like a like a real thing like it, yeah. it happens it, it's gonna yeah. mess up your projects for sure but is that the case like there's not a lot of access to is that one of the other issues yeah uh that's that's a very common thing now you'll have you'll i've run into one or two utilities that have uh you know like pig launching uh uh infrastructure so excuse me uh okay. so they have like the right setup to launch you know some you know a variety of tools in okay. your pipeline, but that's not that's not everywhere. It's not everybody. Uh, right. So the challenge is coming up with cost-effective ways to um, either to turn something that's already existing into an access point, or to put a new one in. And so that's the, there's always challenges, uh, and that's why you know I really grew into um, the whole condition assessment world because you're 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 taking a look. Where you're taking a dive into existing infrastructure with real problems, right? Um, like, like problems that are existing now and need to be addressed yesterday, type of thing, right? So there's, I guess there's a there's that challenge, right? That kind of uh, I, I find is a little bit of attractive, I guess. Uh, and so that's that's 
there's that challenge and you, you there's a problem that you need to solve and so now you got to put your thinking cap on what has been yeah not to cut not to cut you off but what has been one of your most challenging situations you've run into so far yeah well um let's see i've got uh i guess a number of projects come to my mind but uh um you know the isolating a large diameter pipeline what size are we talking at 96 inches yeah that's a big pipe yeah it's a pretty big yeah. pipe <laughs> um, and uh ensuring that uh that it was properly isolated to send crews down into the pipe that was and i think i mentioned that a little bit ago but that's one of the first ones that i come, that comes to my mind is yeah up having some downtime you know it's just uh you know ensuring that the uh lockout tag out procedure was done correctly and then even even after it was done as properly as you could do it you realize that it's not enough so what do you do right that's one situation another is um you know having to work with a utility that has had some tough experiences in the in the you know previous experiences doing uh condition assessment and trying to ensure that, hey, you know, we can come up with a with a good solid plan to minimize risk of, of damaging your your existing assets. Yeah. Because uh, there's there have been cases and scenarios where trying to implement a condition assessment project just to get it some a tool into the pipeline, you're blowing up you're blowing up pipes, you're breaking valves, you're damaging all kinds of stuff, right? So yeah. I think that uh that's a big challenge and the other thing too is just uh you know you have teams that uh, that are knowledgeable about the infrastructure and so they take planning lightly and oh, uh and so that's never good yeah and so you go out into the field and it doesn't exactly work the way it was expected to oh that's a whole so that's other why, you know i want to you have <laughs> yeah so that's where that's where i i just go back to you know thorough planning okay you know you're good you know your assets you know what's out there and the last time you 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 went there it worked Does yeah it work now and will it work the way we need it to work what so, yeah what do you think sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there but what we got like four minutes left what do you think about you kind of hit on it and real world like book engineering like coming out of school you know you've gone through your engineering got your degree what do you think about the field experience, like reality versus book smarts? So like that, that's been a big thing in engineering. It's like con contractors been in the field and they, I'm sure there's a big fight. Like half the time is like, we, we can yeah, do it this yeah. way. No, we can't do it that way. I hear this all the time. Can you touch on that a little bit? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. So, um, you know, definitely the fields having been in the field, um, definitely has been a big part of shaping how I see things, um, right. now on the desktop side. Uh, you know, everything from planning and scheduling and, and budgeting and stuff like that to yeah. how we can implement and execute certain things, certain tasks. Um, I think it's been, it's played a huge, huge uh, role. And uh, as far as I'm not, I don't consider myself very book smart. I, I, uh, <laughs> I passed with, you know, I barely passed and barely graduated <laughs> uh, going up to uh Walking across that stage, not having gotten my grades yet, I was so nervous <laughs> my family that I didn't graduate. And, yeah. and, and uh, you know, so, so I'm not very book smart, but I think that uh, having a basic understanding conceptually and theoretically of how things are supposed to work, pairing yeah. that with your field experience definitely 
uh, yeah. is, is critical. There's two different types of people, you know, you get that field hands-on experience. You touched on that and, and what you have, and then you have the book smarts, like, you know, we read it, we understand it on a, you know, just different perspective of like how it's supposed to be done in, you know, st stages, right? Like this step one, step two, you know, stuff like that, basically an instruction manual. But when you got in a world, real world, it's like, okay, well, that wasn't supposed to be there. There's a massive rock that's, you know, you can't dig into, you know, you can't get around. You know, there's so many variables out there in the real, uh, in the field versus like in a book that people don't even think about. So that's yeah. why you've, you, you've obviously succeeded in that realm. And, and that's amazing to be able to take that. I call it street smarts street smart university kind of thing. It's like you learn yeah, yeah. on the ground boots in, you know, <laughs> getting dirty. Yeah. So I, I've always, um, you know, considered myself a field guy at heart. I mean, I grew up yeah. working outdoors and, and, uh, you know, I was in the military. That was all, everything was outdoors. And then starting right. off my career, you know, being out doing field assessments, being out in the woods, looking for that remote structure, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing the off-roading and the worst. hiking and stuff like that. Manholes and I, I stuff. really liked it. I couldn't do I, I probably couldn't do much of it now. Right. Uh, you know, in my mind, I could, but probably in the middle of it, my body would be telling me to stop. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I really, because of that, it's given me a big appreciation of, of field staff. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in listening to, you know, getting some input and their feedback on what they're comfortable doing and, you know, yeah. what, the, what their suggestions are, you know, um, and then trying to combine that with, with what the, the primary goal is and, um, of the project and, and trying to see how you can develop a good plan using right. uh, both, both inputs, both perspectives. Yeah. That's awesome. And look, I, I think it's amazing that you have come out of the field, be, you know, in the military, now you got engineering, you're running teams, Look, it's it's the best place to be. It's like you you've learned so much moving up and all those experiences. It's it's a great thing, man. I totally respect you and and love what you're doing at uh, Garver and and I look forward to working with you some more down the road because I think you provide a lot of value for sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I think you know you and I have chat you and I have chatted about uh, uh, a number of different technologies that are out there. And so love tech. Yeah. I think they have good fits in certain places. So yeah, uh, uh, trying to put together some plans so where we can make it work and, and uh, you know, let's do it. Some results out of it. Yeah, yeah. for sure, man. That's, that for sure. Yeah, no, I'm excited, man. Let's see where we connect and, and what, what works and what doesn't work. I love testing technologies out there and, and you know, makes our job a lot easier. makes us safer, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. So whatever we can find, I will, yeah. I will bring it to you for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I love it. And then the only way you can find out if anything works is to try it. Right. And so, uh, why not? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, I guess the funding is always the, the limiting factor. Right. And so, right. Right. Uh, how, how do we get, uh, someone to pay for, cause it's gotta, it's gotta be paid for somehow. Right. And so how do you, now you're talking about procurement. That? That's a whole other <laughs> conversation that we can talk about budgeting and infrastructure yeah. and how we, you know. you know, useful life cycles. That's probably a whole nother conversation oh, we yeah. need to have next time. But yeah, sure. no, I, uh, David, um, appreciate your time, man. It was awesome talking to you. Thank you for your insight on like your history and your past and where you've come from. And I look forward to working for, with you in the future, man. Yeah, same here. I appreciate the time. Uh, thanks yeah. for inviting, inviting me and considering me as a as a guest. And uh, you're awesome. Yeah, it. let's do this. Enjoy the conversation. <laughs>
All All right, David. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. We hope that this show brought you some insight on relevant topics within the infrastructure world. Please join us every two weeks on Tuesday for the next episode. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, please set up a 15-minute interview with your host at calendly.com slash chadsmeltzer. 